the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, and later we'll be on Apple Podcasts and TalkLawRadio.com. The State Bar of Texas is the state agency that governs attorney law licenses, and the State Bar wants attorneys to discuss the law uh, for the public, but because legal ad- Advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with your individual professional advice. Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, and tax-protected inheritance plans, and new businesses and old businesses which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, family-limited partnerships, And we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like in courtroom litigation. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, for doing the wrong thing, for not doing your will. Please help Texas Game Warden Kevin Frazier and me give good information about Texas hunting regulations today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. Today we're talking about hunting regulations with Texas Game Warden Kevin Frazier. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Good to be here. You've been on the show two other times before, but just for our new listeners, I wanted to talk a little bit about your experience. So what type of education uh, did you get in order to become a game warden? I have a bachelor of science degree in um, human services and psychology. Um, A lot of us have different degrees, you know, it varies, but... Okay. Yeah. And you started in Zapata County? I did, in Zapata in 2002. Yeah, I was there for three years. And then okay. I was in Guadalupe County for 11 years. I've been in Frio County almost three years now. Okay. And I, I forgot to ask you, before you did all that, uh, when you were a young man, you were a Boy Scout. Yes, I was. I was a Boy Scout. Ended up being an Eagle Scout. Um and um, it's helped me very much. That helped me prepare the Boy Scouts, and, and, and being an Eagle Scout really helped me prepare to, to not only do this job, but just prepare me for life in mm-hmm. general. And that's the top Boy Scout is an Eagle it's Scout, It's the highest right? rank you can, you can um, get in Boy Scouts, correct. And how many Boy Scouts, all of them or half of them? Or? Uh, you know, several years ago, I think probably about the time I was doing it, they said that less than 1% of 
of every Boy Scout ever made it to Eagle Scout, I'm sure those numbers have probably gotten a little bit better, I would hope. Yeah, but it's not easy to do. It's not. You have to be focused up. Yeah, and have a lot of people supporting you. Okay, so Texas Game Warden, what job does that entail? Well, we're we're peace officers, just like um, any Texas peace officer, like a DPS officer or a county sheriff. But um, we mainly enforce the Texas Parks and Wildlife Code, the hunting regulations, um, the Texas Water Safety Act. Um, you know, we kind of consider us consider ourselves the law enforcement off the pavement. You know, you you really don't see us much. You know, if you do see us, it's going to be on the water or in a hunting camp or something. And you know, we like to. Sometimes a lot of us don't like to be seen. You know, we mm-hmm. just like to surprise people. <laughs> well, most recent, I was going to ask you what do game wardens do. Um, before the hunting season starts, uh, but you were telling me about that high-speed chase. Oh, well, <laughs> you know, lately, you know, with things going on on the border, you know, we were having a lot of a lot of um, illegal, you know, human smuggling activity that's coming across the border, and in Frio County, it's kind of the, 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 the front door to all that, I-35 corridor. So probably the last six or eight months, I've been involved in more chases and pursuits with Border Patrol and DPS probably than I have in my whole 20-year career. So it's, um, I mean, it was in one yesterday, mm-hmm. you know, on the way home. So uh, it's, it's, it's a very hard thing right now. It's, it's uh, you know, it's tragic. A lot of it doesn't end well. And uh, we have a lot of, a lot of agencies trying to, curb that and um, we're one of those agencies that assist you know when mm-hmm. we can so. I, I pray for your safety out Thank there you. yeah okay so you said that you focus on um the the hunting regulations um when you when you meet somebody because um you're investigating something is that how it usually happens? I mean, you can't be everywhere all the time. You don't just um, get to stop everybody you see because people are few and far between. But you probably get calls and reports, and you have to investigate. Sure. No, we, you know, every day's different. That's what I love about my job is most days I don't know if I'm going to go left or go right out of the driveway. You know, I, I can make that decision unless I have a call, but... You know, we go out and just look for people, you know. Dove season coming up, we're going to be, you know, out. You know, it's not going to be hard to find hunters. You just follow the shots. Mm-hmm. But in between those, in between going out and, and, and looking for those hunters, we'll be getting calls as well about those hunters and other calls. And and so that's what leads me to make contact with people other than just going out and finding them is answering those calls for service. Have you ever had to find a lost person? Oh, yeah, several times. We've had, my career, we've had a lot of people that get stranded on the lake or lost on the river. Um, you know, several years ago, I was involved with a, a rescue out in Big Bend where uh, uh, a couple had walked off and, and went hiking and, and, and they got lost. And, and the husband made it out and they very much decided that they were going to leave her because she couldn't walk anymore. And, oh. But we we took they were photographers, and they took pictures of everywhere they'd been the last few days. And so we looked at all those pictures and mm-hmm. narrowed it down to one or two canyons and got lucky and found her. Wow! Probably within hours of her dying. So I'm glad you were there. Yeah, it was it was very uh, very fulfilling. To, a lot of those things don't turn out very well, especially when you're out in the middle of nowhere. So to to find somebody and help somebody is always very you know, fulfilling. Mm-hmm. How about you're investigating, you know, shots fired, and so you're trying to find out what's going on there. Have you ever found somebody with a stolen property? Yeah, um, you know, stolen firearms, uh, stolen trailers, four-wheelers, boats, yeah. Um, you know, those are all, 
high commodity items that get mm-hmm. stolen. Um, and uh, especially, right, it seems like it's a lot higher right now for some reason, burglaries and thefts and people are, are breaking into ranches and breaking into property, you know, properties maybe where someone's not a, maybe a full-time, they don't live there full-time. Seen a lot of it on these hunting ranches mm-hmm. and uh, getting their four-wheelers stolen, their, you know, chainsaws and, you know, weed eaters, just any anything that can go be pawned, we're seeing that, yeah. Or sold on the, the new Facebook app where you sell stuff. Facebook Marketplace. Right. You can find a lot of stuff on there, <laughs> yeah. Just make sure it's not stolen it's, when you buy it. Yeah. You said that uh, game wardens were like police officers. Um, what's your jurisdiction? Um, well, we uh, we have full authority in all 254 counties of the state, so I can enforce any law pretty much anywhere in the state of Texas at any time. And sometimes, like right now, we have this hurricane going on. So in Louisiana, we do a lot of rescues, you know, statewide, but... There are times where we go to other states and help out as well with those okay. situations. Yeah. When you you go to a, a camp or when you find a, a hunter on on the road where he's not supposed to be, how do you? What's the standard that you have to to go by you know, with? How suspicious do you have to be, or what evidence do you have to have before you start searching? A person or a vehicle well that's kind of a broad question I mean every situation is different and you know it all starts off with just simple questions and you know you can tell a lot of times that somebody's not where they're supposed to be by just asking them a few questions but every situation is different I mean you know if it's um, and then the answers they provide the answers they provide you know where are they from what kind of vehicle are they driving? Are they intoxicated? You know, are they under the influence of drugs? You know, there's all kinds of all kinds of variables. That gives you more reasons to keep asking. Sure. sure. Uh, during COVID, I saw when I'm patrolling at night for night hunters or poachers, road hunters, I encounter a lot of younger kids, maybe high school age kids, driving around with their you know, teenage girlfriend, drinking beer, mm-hmm. you know, smoking marijuana or whatever they do, just because there wasn't much to do, nothing was open, so they would go take the back roads and and do those things. And so I encountered a lot of that, more than I have before oh. in the last year, year and a half. Yeah. Well, I hope those kids find something better to do. Yeah, we usually have a little talk about that <laughs> at the end. Yeah. Good. And they usually get a couple citations as well. So that goes beyond the scope of, like I said, of what we do. We can, I can enforce, you know, alcohol laws and Mm -hmm. the drug law. I can enforce all those laws. So, um, so I write a lot of other tickets other than, you know, parks and wildlife. Right. So if somebody's hunting on a on private land and the gate's locked, but but you need to. Talk to somebody about some um, report that's been made. Um, what do you do when the gate's locked? How how do you proceed? Most every gate I come to is unlocked. I don't know. Okay. Uh, I mean, there's ways. I mean, I usually call. You know, we try to get to know all the landowners or the, mm-hmm. the ranch managers, and so you know, we're, there's always a way to 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 make contact. Or you know, we don't. You know, people say, "Oh, well, they just." cut your locks and cut your chain. No, we we don't really do that. I think in my whole career I've done that one time and it's because there was a medical emergency and mm-hmm. ambulance couldn't get in the gate. Well, you know, you know, I figured, I told him, look, I cut I cut the chain link and it was either, you know, you're dying or I'll buy you a new right, chain, you know. Right. I'd rather get you help. So. Yeah, they probably <laughs> would too. Mr. Frazier, what's the first thing a person must do before going hunting? Um, best thing is to go buy a hunting license. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Got to have that. But mm-hmm. you probably run into lots of people that don't have one. I do. Um, from time to time, I do. And, and a lot of it is either, 
just ignorance of the law, just maybe they're first-time hunters and they don't know. Um, I've had a few occasions where I've had some young children, maybe eight or nine, ten-year-old children, deer hunting, that shot their first big deer, but they didn't have a license. And, you know, mom or dad tagged the, the deer with their own mm-hmm. license, which is against the law. you you got to have a license, uh, you know, uh, any age. You yeah. are got to have a license to hunt. So I've seen that quite a bit. But I also have, you know, the people that, you know, their buddy takes them hunting or fishing, and their buddy's been hunting and fishing their whole life. And he said, oh, well, you know, I didn't know I needed one. Well, your buddy did. Why did he yeah. tell you if you're a first-time That's the first hunter thing. or fisherman? I think he would have told you. They should have been talking about that. So then, you know, then a lot of times they'll say, oh, well, you know, I'll make my buddy pay for it. So I said, well, that's between you and him. <laughs> but the other thing you're supposed to have is uh, proof of hunter's education. Yes. Yes, if you were born after September 2nd, 1971, I believe you have to have hunter education. And it, it's easier to get that now. I mean, It is. Uh, you can do it online. Right. Yeah. It's a good course, too. Uh, even if you're an experienced hunter, there's always something in there you can learn. I've seen a lot of hunting accidents happen that probably could have been avoided if somebody had had hunter education. I've done it three times. Oh, wow. You once, must really like it. <laughs> once for myself, once for my son, once for my daughter. I, I just went with them, you know, yeah. because uh, the, the, this was before it was all online so that they could, you know, have me there. Those classes are actually a lot better because they're hands-on. Some Right. Of them, yeah. Yeah, and you probably learned something every time. I did, yeah. uh, or at least a reminder. Sure. So if if you know somebody that's going to be taking hunter's education online, just do it with them so that you can be reminded. Okay, so we got hunter's license. When do you have to wear the bright orange? Usually, I think the only, and there are some specific situations, but usually... Um, I think the uh, public hunting lands mm-hmm. um, will require you to wear the the hunter's orange, but most private lands, especially out where 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 I work, you know, not many people do. Yeah, I think I've read in the outdoor annual that you're supposed to wear the the blaze orange when you're um, picking up uh, reptiles on the side of the road. Yes, yes, which you know I don't see a lot of people doing that, but. You know, I'm, you certainly won't see me picking up a reptile unless <laughs> unless it's unless I get a call for it. Yeah, I see a lot of snakes on the road. I'll jump out and mess with them a little bit, but you know, if I'm bored. But, but hunting on public roads is is a big thing. You you continue to see that? I do. I mean, it's you know, it's just you know. There's just a lot of animals on the road, especially with these back roads, and um, and there's different people to do it. The people that 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 are just have always been an illegal hunter and poacher, and those are the people that I'm looking for. Um, those are the people I like to catch. But you also, from time to time, I've I've come across people that are actually hunting to get meat mm-hmm. to feed their family, and so um, of course it's still illegal. You can't do that. But there are different ways, you know, that we deal with different situations. And I always tell people, if you ever, if you're in that need of something, you know, let me know. I I know lots of landowners and lots of people that will donate, you know, hogs, deer, mm-hmm. and I can get you in touch with those people. I'd rather us do it that way than me catch you on the side of the road at two o'clock in the morning trying to feed your family. Because number one, it's just not safe anyway. A lot of these roads are starting to break up. These these big ranches are breaking up. They're building houses and communities. And when you shoot off of the off of the county road, or you don't off, know where you it's don't know go. where that bullet's going. And, and um, I've seen that quite a bit too on these smaller acreages. People either hunting or or doing target shooting on five or eight or ten acres. And you know they're shooting a AR-15 and they're shooting a you know a 270. On ten acres, well, that thing's going to go a mile. Yeah, Yeah. and and I've seen 
I've seen a couple people shot on other properties from somebody else. Oh. And they didn't even know they were there. Yeah. I get that call a lot. How about um, when you hear shots before uh, the sunrise and after the sunset? Do you get those calls? Yeah, I do, but usually I'm out there, and I'm actually hearing them myself. But I do from time to time get those calls, and, and you know, if it's, you know, before the legal shooting hours of dove season, um, you know, which is, you know, 30 minutes um, before sunrise mm-hmm. to sunset, uh, that's definitely, you know, against the law. And those are things that, that we address. Well, I noticed on the Outdoor Annual app, so this is an app put out by Texas Parks and Wildlife, right? And so there's an app you can get on your smartphone, mm-hmm. and uh, there's you can look for the, the dove hunting season and all the rules. I noticed that there's a link there to look up sunrise and sunset because this is, you know, what when you look outside, when, when does 30 minutes start? Well, now hunters don't have an excuse <laughs> yeah. because you can look up the official time. At sunrise and sunset is different. And, you know, sunrise and sunset time in Bear County is going to be different than in Webb County. Right. So yeah. maybe off by a minute or two minutes. It depends on where you're at. But it does matter. It does make a difference. Mm-hmm. So that outdoor annual app is what you need to understand these rules and regulations because today's broadcast isn't going to be uh, exhaustive enough for you to to rely on for all the information that you need. I recommend downloading that app, and you can even look at it uh, if you don't have cell service. Correct. And last year they did not make the outdoor annual uh, in a hard copy, but the, they did this year. It is back. So, um so if you're older and you want to have a, a paper copy, you can probably find yes, it. Yes. Might just have to ask for it. Yes. Whereas exactly. in, in the past, uh, the retailers would just give you a copy with your license. Mm-hmm. So dove season is starting, um, but it, it's different in different parts of the state, right? Yes. Yeah, we have a north zone, a central zone, and a south zone. And so the the south zone starts uh, at the south side of Bear County. Yes, and we have a special white wing zone that starts, you know, that first weekend as well. Uh, the, so we have, you know, it is confusing because you have so many zones, and, and that's what's good about the app is it'll break it down for you mm-hmm. and um, and let you know. I mean, things change so much, and these regulations change so much sometimes. It's hard for us to keep up with them. <laughs> well, I didn't notice there were so many different kind of dove. Yes. But again, on this app, it actually has pictures of all the different type of dove. Yeah, I'm looking at it now, and yeah, they have different pictures of the dove, and and it, it has the north zone, the central zone, the south zone seasons all broke down, um, you know, September 1st. The north zone and central zone opens. The south zone don't open until the 14th. And Except for special white wing. That's for special white wing, which is uh, September third and fifth, and then September tenth and twelfth. So and those are only half day hunts. Too. Oh, that's right. It yes. starts at noon. Yes, which we'll we'll get a number of people hunting in the morning. Um, so because they didn't read their rules or they just try to get away with it, I guess. Mm-hmm. So if I'm hunting dove and I'm shooting up in the air. And I'm trying to identify that that wing with the white stripe on it. If I accidentally shoot a, a different kind of dove, well, I can't take that back. That bird. No, but it's really easy. You know, you, you can tell like like the the, the white wing doves are much bigger doves, and okay, and they fly a lot slower. You know, a lot of times people mistake them for pigeons. Sometimes. Yeah. Um, because they're just a bigger, fatter okay. dove. The morning doves are a little bit smaller, but still, you know, if you if you look at them long enough, you'll you'll be able. That's to That's a the good difference. tip. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All, along with um, the hunting license, when you know that you're going to be hunting dove, 
you have to get some special things. The migratory game bird endorsement, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And so you might have to ask for that. Yes. Yeah, when you buy your license, you know, there's so many different licenses. There's, you know, one day, a five day, mm-hmm. a year from purchase. You know, there's so many different ones. But whatever you get, if you get the resident hunting license, just make sure, you know, they should ask you where are you going to hunt. But it's your responsibility to tell them what you're hunting and what you need. So make sure, especially for the for the dove season, you get the migratory game bird endorsement. Right. And it'll say it on your license. It'll say migratory game bird. If you don't have that, then, you know, it, then you don't have, you, you're not allowed to hunt. Yeah, migratory those game birds. Bird. And a lot of and some of the common things we see is, well, the guy at Walmart or the guy at Academy or the guy at the feed store didn't give me the right one. Well, you're the hunter and it's your responsibility mm-hmm. to make sure you have the right license. So always look at that and look at what you have and how much you paid for it before you leave. Okay, we're going to take another break. And when we come back, we'll continue talking about the hunting regulations with Texas game warden Kevin Frazier. Stay tuned. back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Markport here with Texas Game Warden Kevin Frazier. We've been talking about the hunting regulations because hunting season is coming up and more specifically dove season for the north zone and central zone begins September 1st and what was it again for the south zone? September 13th? 14th, 14th. I believe yes. Uh, except for the special white wing season, which is uh, unique to the south zone. That'll begin on September 3rd through the 5th. Yes. But remember, it starts at noon mm-hmm. on each of those days. Yes, and then the following weekend, it's the 3rd and the 5th, and then the 10th and the 12th. 10th oh, and the 12th. okay, yeah. so that's just a weekend gotcha. thing. Yes, yes. All right. Okay, so if you've never heard of the Texas Migratory Game Bird Endorsement, that's what you need because Dove is a migratory game bird. And when you get your license, they're supposed to ask you some questions. That's yeah. the the Harvest Information Program or HIP. Yes. Yeah, it's just basically they try to take a, a number, just a rough number of how many different animals you've killed specifically like migratory game birds mm-hmm. and stuff, ducks, doves. So it's just a program that they keep numbers for. Somebody looks at them. They have to ask you that, and then it's a little certification they put on your license. So that, you have to have that. That it's, you answered those questions. Yes. So when you're hunting dove, what happens if, if the bird is flying the fence line and 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 you shoot the bird and and the bird lands on the other side of the fence is that is that bad is that legal well it depends you got a couple issues there number one you're shooting across a property line so you can't really do that you're, you're not allowed your projectile is not allowed to cross the property line mm-hmm. unless you have permission from the other landowner not a lot of landowners like people shooting across the property line mm-hmm. but now you've had you've you have a wounded animal or a dead animal on another piece of property so Legally, you can't just go over there and get it. You need to have permission from the landowner. So that's something I try to tell people to work out before the season starts. Mm-hmm. Even have a a piece of paper, signed piece of paper or a telephone number, some kind of agreement. That So if I do show up or somebody calls me, then, you know, we can work it out a lot quicker and easier. Yeah, that's a good point. Something else about dove season is the regulation about baiting. What is that? Uh, it's just baiting is just throwing out any kind of different, you know, like corn or milo or anything that will attract the birds to a certain area. That's not a normal agricultural process, you know. You'll see a lot of birds in these, these fields that have been, you know, um, worked. You know, the corn has been harvested and and 
and you know big sunflower fields those are normal agricultural practices those farmers do this time of year so that's not a problem but a lot of times we'll go on a property or go go somewhere and someone will have actually thrown out bird seed or corn Mm -hmm. to attract the birds and that's illegal You, you cannot do that Okay, you get in trouble for that. You get oh, a yes. citation. Yeah, typically that, and you'll, you know, any birds that you've shot will be, you know, you'll have them confiscated. Could even confiscate your firearm as well, so your shotgun. Wow. Yeah. Okay, so you don't want to be baiting the dove. What are some other violations you've seen with dove hunting? The biggest one I'm seeing now is the shooting across the property line, trespass by projectile is what we call that. And um, I get a lot of calls on that and, and write a lot of tickets on it. You know, I'll have, you know, a 400-acre field with 100 people in it, and, but everybody's standing on the fence line shooting across the county road. Mm-hmm. And that's a violation. You cannot shoot... Number one, you can't shoot across a, a, a public highway. Number two, you're shooting across the, the property anyway, and those pellets go a long way. So mm-hmm. you know, just make sure that your aim of fire is, you know, stays on that property unless you have permission from the other landowners to shoot across it. What do you see about bag limits, the l- limit of the number of birds that a person can take? Well, we do see a lot of over-the-limit violations and and i think the restitution for for i think white winged doves and morning doves are about a hundred dollars a piece right now maybe a little more i'm not sure so times that by the number of birds you're over and 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 then the fine on top of that from a judge and be a pretty expensive day out in the field so it's a lot easier i tell people to do the right thing than it is to do the wrong thing yeah Stop shooting. <laughs> Stop shooting. I mean, you always have tomorrow. And then there's a, a regulation that says you can't have too many shells in your shotgun. Yeah, when you're hunting migratory game birds, your your shotgun is only supposed to hold three shells. So, um, of course, a lot of people shoot over and unders, and those are you know only hold two anyway. But uh, most guns, and I this tip is a typical scenario where. I'll check somebody and their gun holds five or six shells, and he'll say, "Oh well, I just bought it brand new, or I bought it from my cousin or my uncle." And, and well, it's your responsibility to check, make sure that that gun has a plug in it and it's only able to hold three shells while you're hunting those those birds. So, and you got to take it apart in order to put yes. that in there. And it's not real hard, but I'm not a licensed gunsmith, so I'm not gonna. Mm-hmm. stand in the field and fix your gun for you. It's, it's your responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so I think that's all I wanted to discuss about dove. Can we move on to white-tailed deer? Sure. Okay. Um, what are some common deer hunting violations? Well, like I said earlier, I, you know, I, I see, I'm, I'm seeing a lot of people tagging deer under someone else's license not having a license, you know, um, hunting without it. Um, probably just like the, the dove season, I'm, a lot of people that fall under the hunter education requirement, they don't have that. Um, and that's a very easy thing to attain. Like we said, you can do it online. So start now. Um, start now, get it knocked out. And then you only have to take it once. Mm-hmm. Um, those are some of the common violations I see, just... The license violations, um, not tagging the deer, you know, um, you know, trying to save your tags. I, I went into a deer camp last year, and I'd gotten some information on it, and they told me this specific person had already shot about seven or eight deer. Mm-hmm. And so I went in the cooler, and, and there was, I don't know, 15 or 20 deer hanging, and all of his tags were knocked out, and then there was his daughter had tags. Well, he had taken his daughter's license and mm-hmm. tagged, you know, deer that he shot. Deer that he shot with her license. So I think we ended up writing him seven or eight tickets and taking all of the deer meat. And then, about two weeks later, another warden here in Bear County caught the guy doing the same thing, 
in another hunting spot. So wow. I guess he didn't learn the first time. No. But he he paid. I know he's going to have to pay several, several thousands of dollars in restitution and and, and fines and stuff. So. So when you confiscate the deer meat, where does it go? I always um, donate it to someone you know less fortunate that needs it. A lot of times there are some other programs too uh, around the state, uh, Hunters for the Hungry, and and um, you know there's some some other meat markets I can take them to, and they have people that'll come oh, and pick okay. them up. So yeah, most of the time none of these these animals that we take and uh, you know get wasted. You know we always I always try to find you a way. You just have to make some phone calls. Yeah, and and I was also have a lot of people in my phone that, that I know that always are looking for deer meat and mm-hmm. hog, hog meat and because they feed their families. And they'll they'll come out any time of day or night and come get it. So those are the people I like to help. So, you know, somebody's, you know, mistake, you know, ends up helping out somebody else. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So when you shoot a deer, you're supposed to tag it right then. Yeah, um, the law says you're supposed to tag it immediately upon kill, you know, and, and I understand a lot of people don't take a pen out to the deer blind. You know, but usually, you know, when you get back to camp and you've, you know, done your high fives and taking your pictures, mm-hmm. then it's a good time to get that taken care of before you gut it and skin it and get it in the cooler, put it on the pit, you know, whatever you're going to yeah, do. right. Let's get that thing properly tagged so, so you're legal. But um, you have to keep the proof of sex. So yeah. what does that mean? Well, I mean, just, you know, of course, you know, uh, that that comes into play a lot, you know, whenever the deer leaves the property. Mm-hmm. A lot of times someone will shoot a buck, you know, have a nice set of antlers, and they'll have the meat. Maybe they have two or three buddies there, and they want to divide the meat up. So, you know, a lot of times we want to make sure that, that the rock documentation is used, you know, that we have a, um, uh, There's a form, a for, form that. for that. Or you can write it out, too, just, just so, you know, whenever someone leaves with the head and then someone else leaves with the meat that all of that's documented and that happens a lot where I'll stop somebody coming out of a ranch and they'll have a couple you know back straps or something mm-hmm. but they won't have any documentation on it well my buddy gave me this well who yeah you know if you're doing it right you'll have a you'll have a wildlife resource document or something written down with the hunter's name and address and phone number and and what it was and when mm-hmm. he gave it to you so I can call and verify that. So Okay. Well, I'm glad you said that because uh, somebody was asking me about that. And a lot of times we see that a lot, too, in dove season where people that travel for several you know days and hunt you know over the weekend out of town, they can't possess more than 45 birds when they come back. But on the first day, they'll shoot 15, and then you know they'll bag them, but they, won't, they need to date them. And so when I show up on the second and third day of hunting and you've got – 35 birds you know I, they need to be separated and i okay. know what day they were killed and who killed them i'll show up and there'll be six hunters in a truck and there'll be 150 birds mm-hmm. in an ice chest and that's you know or you walk up to somebody in the field and three guys are standing around a truck and there's a pile of birds you've got to keep everything separated at all times so use those uh gladlock bags maybe to separate them see a lot of that yes Okay, um, I'm glad you said that about the the dove because that's important to, for people to know. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have to take another break. We'll come back and talk more about white-tailed deer. Stay tuned. able to care for yourself or your home without powers of attorney your loved ones will be forced to the world of court battles and guardianship lawsuit to declare you to be incapacitated better yet ask about a living trust containing your instructions about where you want to live how you want to be taken care of if you have a heart attack stroke or develop alzheimer's or dementia call marquardt law firm and find out how a living trust can help your loved ones settle your affairs without a judge in court call 210-530-4278 that's 210-530-4278 Welcome back to Talk Law Radio. I'm Todd Marquardt, talking about 
hunting regulations with Texas game warden Kevin Frazier. And we were talking about deer, and then we were talking about dove. Now we're talking about deer again. Uh, Mr. Frazier, what happens if um, somebody shoots a what they think to be an antlerless deer, maybe a, a doe, and and then they find out, you know, by a closer look that there's an antler there. Is the hunter in violation even though he thought it was a doe when he was looking at it through his scope? Not necessarily, depending on what county he's in. There are certain counties where, you know, you're not allowed to shoot does or you have to have a permit. Mm-hmm. There are some counties, like Atascosa County, where you have you can't shoot a buck that that's less than 13 inches of of inside spread right so yeah you you possibly could have some vi- a violation there but the best thing to do is always just to call a game warden or call somebody and, and you know it's always easier for me to work with somebody or deal with somebody on that that was honest that made an honest mistake than me just showing up and seeing these violations so yeah and having somebody cover it up by sure. using somebody else's license, which is another violation. Exactly. It st- stuff starts to snowball sometimes. Uh-huh. Something very that can that that I can try to talk to you about and work with you with starts to snowball when you start doing other things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> try to mess with it. Yeah, cover it up. What happens if uh, you find somebody? hunting on on land and you, and you get the feeling like maybe he didn't have the landowner's consent where do you go from there i usually try to contact the landowner the ranch manager and uh you know again it's one of those things every situation is different but a lot of times you can tell if somebody's supposed to be there or not um so um but there are there are circumstances and situations where yeah we do get someone trespassing and, and hunting without consent, and and uh, you know those are those can be up to felony charges if the landowner wants to file charges. Yeah, because sure. it's trespassing. Yes, yeah. with the firearm, hunting a game animal without wow. consent. Wow. Yes, it's don't, a big deal. Don't want to get a felony. Don't want to have a felony on your record. That's for sure. No. And if somebody's hunting out of season. What are some of the penalties that you've seen for that? Well, there's different. We always say, you know, you know, if you're hunting out of deer season, you know, it's not if it's, you know, July and you're hunting deer, it's not deer season. But what if it's November and you're hunting deer from a public road? Well, there's no open season on a public road. So that's closed season as well. Oh. So there are different circumstances on how that is, but they are anywhere from Class C to misdemeanors to Class B. Some of them will go up to Class A, depending on if you shot it off the road or shot it illegally on someone else's property. You know, it, there's a lot of varying fines and, and penalties if you have prior convictions of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it so escalates. It does. And restitution would be paying the the value for the animal. The value for the animal, the replacement value for the animal. Yeah, which is usually. Several hundred dollars up to a thousand dollars or more in some cases. If somebody finds a a deer hung up on a, a barbed wire fence, uh, apparently not able to free itself, uh, what can be done? See that a lot. A lot of deer get hung up in fences. A lot of animals see a lot of owls, a lot of hawks. A deer, especially, um, you know, we try to. Try to get out there and try to do something, try to get it out. I, You know, if, if it's a rancher or a farmer, someone who's been around animals a lot, a lot of times I'll have them try to help it or get it out. But most times if I don't know the person, I'll try to get out there and do something with it or try to try to get somebody out there that knows mm-hmm. what they're doing so they don't get hurt because you can actually get hurt pretty bad messing with a wild animal, especially when it's in stress. And Yeah. Yeah. Okay, and... What what type of gun and ammo is allowed for hunting deer? Well, you can use any kind of ammo other than a rimfire shot, like a twenty-two kind of ammo. You can't hunt deer with that. But you know, I see people use some really really big stuff. You know, you know, all the way up. You know, from two twenty, smaller, you know, small as two twenty-three up to 
I don't know, you name it. I mean, shooting stuff you'd take to shoot, you know, African animals yeah. with. But, you know, people like guns. And But, uh, no, the, mainly what, what, what you need to know there is, you know, like twenty two or any rim fire. Does it have to be a rifle? does not have to be a rifle. People hunt deer with bows. Yeah. How about a pistol? There are people that hunt deer with pistols. Yeah, sure. It's a little more sporty. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you got to get pretty close. <laughs> How about if a deer is uh, hit by a car? Um, can People ask me all the time, can I jump out and euthanize the deer to, to prevent suffering? Is that allowed? We we, uh, we really want people to call us and let us know where it's at, what's going on. Um, there's a safety uh, value in that, you know, with somebody just getting out and shooting a gun on the side of the road. Um, recently, we've allowed people to, to put deer down, you know, if they talk to a game warden. Or, but, you know, you just don't know someone's level of experience or, or, mm-hmm. or you know, what they're thinking about. Or, you know, there's factors you need to consider, like where's the, where's the deer at? Is there a house? Is there a school? Is you know, there are several factors involved there. So we want to make right. sure that whatever we do, we're doing it safely. Yeah, if it's inside the city, that that could be dangerous. It could be, yeah. Or someone shoots and misses and it skips off the road and mm-hmm. hits a house or a car. Yeah, those are definitely things that we need to consider. Best to call law enforcement. Best to call law enforcement. Okay. The hog hunting is is legal, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're supposed to have a, a hunting license if you're hunting, period. Yeah, but, but now you do not need a hunting license to hunt hogs. And so if if you're hunting deer during the day and you want to hunt hogs at night um, using lights and, and stuff that's allowed... You can do that. Um, how do you stop yourself from getting in trouble for hunting deer at night with lights? How do you? How can somebody <laughs> convince the game warden that he's he's not doing the wrong thing? Well, a lot of times people will call, you know, make a courtesy call to the game warden, let them know you'll be out hunting hogs at night, mm-hmm. and uh, and I get a lot of those calls, and and, and I appreciate that because um, then maybe the next door neighbor or rancher will see a spotlight mm-hmm. and call me, and if I know that the neighbor had already called me earlier that day, then it saves me from getting up in the middle of the night to go check it out. Yeah. I, I already knew it. So it's definitely a big help Okay, for that communication to happen. Okay. So the you can hunt hogs at night. That's allowed. Uh, any uh, calls that you've had about hunting hogs that you've had to issue citations on? Oh, well, hunting... Uh, Hunting, you know, on uh, private, private, not having permission to hunt on that land. People hunting hogs. We had a lot of problems with these uh, guys that run uh, dogs, that run the hogs with the oh, with the yeah. dogs, and we had a lot of problems with with that. Sometimes with them running, you know, maybe they're supposed to be where they are, but mm-hmm. maybe they they cross a fence line chasing an animal. That happened. That's that, that's kind of common in some places. But I try to have a good relationship with those guys and the landowners and try to get everybody on the same page so that doesn't become a big deal. But there there are, could be some trespassing problems there. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you still have to have hunter education, you know, if you fall on that requirement. So oh, you may not okay. need the license to hunt the hog, but you still have to have the hunter education for okay. that requirement. Well, that's yeah. a good thing. Yeah. Okay, so you mentioned dogs, and you're not allowed to hunt deer with the aid of a dog, right? No, but we, recently we, we we are allowing them to track the animals now, and we've done that, but there are, there is some new stuff now that has come out for allowing them to track, and so. Okay. And so all of that, that, all of that information too, I believe, isn't updated in the outdoor annual. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm glad that we got that cleared up. That's what I was going to ask. What about a, a tracking dog? Okay, you said that there was were some new regulations regarding fish. We're not going to go into that today, but if somebody is a, a big fisher, 
they should read the outdoor yeah animal. i mean there's a lot of stuff that's ever changing down on the coast right now especially with, with that freeze last year we they had a lot of problems with the fish kill so sometimes you know we'll just get a random email and they've changed you know the the limit on on like a trout or mm-hmm. the, or you know on a red snapper those things are ever changing so uh, they do a lot of times they pass emergency rules so it's best to to stay you know stay online stay on the app and look for those different changes good thank you for saying that yeah last time last year we talked about um fishing and we didn't quite get to water safety so i wanted you to say something about that when when a game warden approaches you on the water what are some things that you know that they're going to ask well definitely you know you gotta have enough life jackets for everybody in the boat um you know you gotta have um you know fire extinguisher um you know a type four throwable device or a throw cushion or ring buoy, old school mm-hmm. ring buoys. Um, the biggest thing we see is kids under thirteen not wearing their life jackets. That's number one thing okay. that we enforce, and, and uh, that's a big deal. Um, dry, uh, you know, you can operate a, a boat and 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 you know consume alcohol. You just can't be intoxicated. So that is a little bit different from driving a motor vehicle, but right. But it doesn't take much out on the water on a hot day to 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 be to get intoxicated above the legal limit. So bring a friend. Yeah, it's very good to have somebody that, that's it's not drinking. That's not drinking. Yeah, so don't get you in a bind. A lot of people drink a lot on the water and go swimming, and that's where a lot of our drownings occur. Is people cramping up or not being very good swimmers anyway, mm-hmm. going into the water without a life jacket. We see that a lot. Um, and, course with the alcohol comes boat accidents and so we investigate all those and work all of those as well so yeah we've got a lot lot going on on the lake a lot of dangers out there so okay well that's all we have for this time thank you for joining me thank yeah. you for all your information mm-hmm. thank you for having me i appreciate it that's it for talk law radio we'll see you next time Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.